Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. And we're off. All right, guys. Welcome back to the first episode of 2020. Yeah. I heard this is the year of Beyonce. Shout out to Ivy Park because I know mm. they're having a a release this coming weekend. Oh yes, that is very true. Uh, actually, this is our first time recording in Mad Long. This is well, this time your first time recording in Mad oh, Long. Yes, you and I have. I met. hit the people yeah. with something that they could take them through the holiday season. Yes. Uh, with Bennett Bennett and Marla Cox, so we had a good end of year conversation. Yes. And now we're back. Yes, you and I have not been in the same room. In like, like years. Yes. I feel like I, last time I saw you was Can. I'm lying. I know Ad I'm color. lying. I, was it Ad Color? That was the last time we recorded together. Damn. Well, it's nice to tour. meet you. Yes, you too. Welcome <laughs> back, friend. Yes. I, I, I mean, I know I've been going, but like, where you been at? Like, uh, been in West Coast, Brazil, Ghana, um, where else? Places. You ain't really been here. You ain't been here either. I know, but we're not talking <laughs> about me. Like, that's the point. It's like, I'm keeping the focus on you. But for once, we're back together. Yes. Mixed company. First yes. episode of the new decade. First episode yeah. of the new year. And first episode with even more changes. Yeah, we are missing a voice. You are missing a voice, but you are gaining a pop star. Yes. Uh, so for those of you that have been paying attention and you... Uh, had the chance to listen to our bonus episode at the end of 2019, you now know that our love, our dear, our friend, our sister... Has gone on to be with the celebrities. She has. <laughs> I mean, if only I knew in advance that moving to Los Angeles automatically made you a pop star, your girl would have been left. Because I'm pretty sure I have the personality. Like, I'm you cool could. as shit. I told you this. Yeah. Yes. I get, like, for real, for real, like, it could happen. Love and Hip Hop, Mona, holla at me, right? But Karina is really doing the thing. So if you haven't heard and you haven't been listening to us and watching social media and just being nosy, Karina Schultz um, has, uh, let's not say, she ain't, she ain't leave us. No. She has gone on and has evolved her role as One Third of Mixed Company podcast to the number one uh the number one influencer on TikTok yes. right now, along with Elf Cosmetics, as she is the voice, the hip hop stress, the whatever the hell else I can come up with of uh, Eyes, Lips, and Face, yes. which was the hottest, one of the hottest influencer phenomenons at the end of 2019, uh, in partnership with Elf Cosmetics um, and uh, Il Wayno, the Grammy winning record producer. So you can catch her on the YouTubes. You can yes, catch you her can. on the TikTok. You damn sure could catch her on Spotify, which I just saw as Holify Six One. <laughs> I just want to say when we when we called her Ratchet Rena in 2018, I never knew it would turn into this. We did not. So like, let me tell you about speaking things into, into fruition. Like yes. it's real, y'all. It's really, really, really real. You too can be a pop star. You too could be a pop star. I mean, who knew? But. We definitely wish her the absolute best. Maybe we could bring her back uh, for an interview before she um, has a fee. Because uh, Lord <laughs> knows I can't afford it. That's not in our production budget. Um, but we wish her all the best. Make sure you subscribe and like all of her social media channels. And, you know, holla at YouTube and play everything that she's got on there. Word. 
Word on the street. I think she was at Title the other day. I she caught was at wind Tidal. of. Yes. Um, and word on the street is that she's literally in the studio. So maybe we'll end up at like Milk Recordings. <laughs> Listen, I have recorded ad libs for records before, so just let me know what's up. I'm down. Karina, holla at me. I come. Yes. I I'll come to LA. Let me know what's up. All right. Um, so now that that's so now that I can't tell you that I'm now a pop star, we can kind of switch gears. And um, I mean, I almost forget how to do the show. It's been uh, so long, friend. So the next thing is dope shit ain't shit. How about the dope shit yes. and the ain't shit? What do you got? Um, my dope, sh- my ain't shit is kind of loose. Um, it's the ain't shit is the NFL who they've been in our ain't shit before. Um, what are you talking about? They've been in the ain't shit for like yeah, since for, we started. But I mean, on the show, they've been ain't shit. Um, and it's really about. And I fo- like football. Unfortunately. Um, unfortunate. Kids play football. Sorry. But we're talking about the NFL right okay, now. Okay, fine. Um, the ain't shit is pretty much the fact that they've turned the Rooney Rule into a joke. And we've <laughs> um, discussed the Rooney Rule on the show before. And it's basically the. I guess the. The. Um, I want to say incentive, but it's more like a tactic that they've been using to try to diversify the NFL. And basically the goal of it when it was created by Cyrus Mirhi and the NFL was to make sure that whenever there's a head coaching position, they would interview at least one um, ethnic candidate. And when it was implemented, uh, I believe the number went up to about eight, between eight and 11. And in the start of the 2018 season, well, at the end of the 2018 season, they fired like four black coaches. And since then, the in number, advertising, that'd be a hundred percent. I mean, I think <laughs> the the interesting thing is, so they they haven't really replaced them since then, and you know they just went through another round of firings. And out of all the people that they hired, I think one of them was maybe Puerto Rican, but none of, there were no black candidates or no black hires. Um, they ain't shit. I think that we we. T- it's part of why we started the show is because people make uh, mockery out of diversity and inclusion initiatives. Uh, but I think also the interesting thing is the parallel between the Rooney Rule and advertising, because Cyrus Murray, who all who implemented helped implement the rule, uh, was also behind the Madison Avenue project. And after the Madison Avenue project, you saw an uptick in the amount of people of color, especially black people that were in the industry. And then around the res- the end of re- the recession, um, pretty much they a lot of them got fired or they opted out of the industry. And since then, the number hasn't gone back up. And we're I think we're teetering somewhere around four to five percent. Um, so that's why they ain't shit. Um, secondly, or, or I guess a small dope shit would be um, uh, Alan Byron, who is, uh, did I say his name right? I hope so, because I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, the dude who's suing Comcast. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, the T. Byron Allen, yes. Oh, sorry. the T um, of it all. He's just a dope shit. If you haven't Googled it, I think you need to. Um, I'm not going to sit here and try to recap the whole story, because it's, it's a lot. But uh, I think it's, you know, we started this podcast to hold people's feet to the fire. And if anybody's doing it right now, he is. It's a little um, testy what he's doing. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if he if it's if he wins, it's a win for everybody who really is a stakeholder in diversity and inclusion. I guess my perspective on that, because I think while you were off gallivanting in Africa, yes. I was out here reading the trades. Um, and you, I know you had sent me the link to it. So I feel a little differently. I don't necessarily swing more dope shit or ain't shit on that because for me like that's a very scary position to put 
anyone in because the reality is right yeah comcast is out here saying what are you talking about there's no discrimination yeah. here but he but it has already been elevated to the supreme court yes. and the point that they're arguing is that basically if you are a black man or of color you have the right to do contractual work in a fair manner period right mm -hmm. instead of Another, I like. I don't even know what other policy they could argue. But with that being the law that is up for debate, mm -hmm. if you look at it, it looks like it looks like he technically cannot actually prove discrimination. He can prove symptoms of it, but not discrimination. The Supreme Court could knock that down, and if they overturn it, that's overturning years of work that was put into it. Yes. To his point, yes, Comcast is not shit, and continuously we see that they do not necessarily invest in uh, in in content that or content channels that are for people of color or produced by people of color how at, and they always say that it is because of due to a lack of interest like if you look at all of the new news articles about it they discuss how it's well there's just a lack of interest so we invest in it based on interest which we know is skewed and biased but yeah. To put that on the line, this is like, you know, when you arguing with somebody and you say on my mama or like on my dead grandmother, like this is one of those moments where it's like, I don't necessarily know if we should put like our grandparents on the line because it could have grave, uh, it could have grave re repercussions that we may not be able to come back from. So I'm here for like holding people's feet to the fire, but do we throw the babies in the fire too? I don't know. I mean, I think, um, I don't know why my brain just went blank, but, you know. The babies in the fire thing did it. Yeah, that did it. It was kind um, of intense. I mean, but, but there's there's usually very, if you want great gain, you have to sacrifice some shit or you have to put some stuff on the line. Um, and just to give people context, basically what's happening is when Comcast and uh, was NBC merged, um, the, mm -hmm. the only reason the government allowed them to do it was because they promised to carry more mm -hmm. black-owned channels, mm -hmm. which they haven't done. Mm -hmm. um, and what they tried to do, which was I thought was hilarious, was they tried to basically say, well, we have Diddy, we have Revolt, and we have Magic Johnson Aspire, and we have this other um, African-owned channel, and we have this and we have that, but it didn't fulfill the right, agreement. Right, it's the equivalent right. to saying we want to increase the number of minorities in our agency, yes. so let's just add some interns. That's right. basically what they did. Right. And so he's basically saying, well, you didn't deliver, um, and you don't have a real reason for delivering, and so they're basically, he's suing them. So. Yeah, it's scary. It's and not, if he it's loses, not, it shouldn't yeah. be something that's taken lightly. Yeah. It's actually a very scary thing. I think Comcast needs to just settle and stop playing with folks' lives. But it is yeah. a game of chicken right now. And, and just also for context, so if he loses, it basically sets a precedent for anybody else who tries to take an employer to court for mm -hmm. discrimination, because they will basically say, "Well, look at what happened with this case. They exactly. can prove it." And now it basically it can set an amazing back. precedent, or it can set a really, really, really tough one. Um, yeah. Glad it's not me. That's pretty much it. But I think for those of you particularly, because I know um, New York City's uh, commissioner actually has weighed in a couple times on this. So if you're paying attention to the news and you care anything about business, laws, black people, slavery, all of that, going back to your ancestry, <laughs> this is an important <laughs> case to follow. No, it is. It um, is. So, yeah. Um, speaking of chicken, I was really hoping that like when I said like we're playing chicken, I could segue into this, but I'll go anyway. I'm going to go ahead, I changed my dope shit from what I said earlier. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, talk about my dope shit. Um, and this is the cultural resonance of the Popeye's chicken sandwich. 
because here we are well six seven months beyond the release of the initial 400 that was sent to everybody's Popeyes uh, local Popeyes market and it has made its way to Canadian TV so for those of you that have uh, been on Twitter or Instagram you may have seen a um, you may have seen a clip of a young woman named Eve on um, I believe it was like a, a family feud type show if not actually family feud but the Canadian version to which Eve goes in to represent her people and she is asked what is Popeye's favorite food now I imagine if you are born between a certain age demographic and I would say maybe Gen Z and and above you would know that Popeye loves spinach because spinach makes you stronger right no Eve says when they ask what is Popeye's favorite food? She says chicken. Now, the cultural context is this, right? Stereotypically, black people always get labeled with the we love chicken thing. But if you watch that clip, Eve also loves her some chicken. <laughs> and her first point of reference when you say anything about Popeye's is not Popeye the sailor man with the one muscle and the love for spinach in a can. It is Popeye's chicken. Now, how is this, uh, how do we tie this back together and why is this dope? If we go back to the summer of 2019 and we think about how crazy we thought it was that Popeyes was able to garner so much media attention, enough that they're able to sell out of product, they are now a cultural influence as well beyond the woman in the, um, in the commercials. I don't remember her name, but whatever. The point I want to say Gladys just for the fun. Is it Gladys? It's something along those lines. Ruth, auntie, I don't know. Somebody's auntie <laughs> is always it's in a the good commercials. Name. It's, it's somebody's a good auntie. auntie it's along always, the lines of Gladys. It's like a Mabel. Etta May. Like uh, I don't yeah. know. Whatever her name is, it's beyond her now. It's to the point now where people automatically. Uh, automatically think of chicken when they think of Popeye as opposed to Popeye the Sailor Man which is a generational uh, which is rooted in generations of culture I think that's amazing because as we've seen part, uh, part of the teams that are responsible for coming up with the marketing plan for Popeye's chicken sandwich were people of color I believe we saw for social media um, it was a black woman who actually initiated that Platform, and here we are in Canada, where people have completely forgotten about Pop by the Sailor Man, <laughs> and they're out here, you know, risking their families ten thousand um, dollars, and and giving the uh, all praises due to Popeye's Chicken. What, um, did Popeye's give them money? Popeye's oh. shout out to Gut Agency in Miami. Popeye's actually did give her ten thousand dollars because listen, you gotta carry, you gotta carry on the tradition. These are new traditions forming. I got a kick out of it. Um, it was a huge laugh. And with everything else happening on my news today, sometimes chicken can make you feel better. So shout out to Eve. Shout out to Gut uh, and Selmo and Carmen over there. Really great people. And also Popeyes for doing the damn thing. Word. So I know it's just the two of us from a mixed company perspective on the show, but it's not just the two voices that you're going to hear for the show today. We've got two amazing folks jo joining us so that we're not lonely and that we can make this transition from uh, MC3 to MC2. <sighs> I mean, we, we join a, a long, a good roster of people from Destiny Child to I know. Vogue, uh, you know, just we're a duo now. <laughs> Does that make Karina Beyonce? Is that where we are with this? 
we we could she, go there. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I mean, technically, I was like, I, she is the first one. Anyway, we don't have to worry. We pulled a Destiny's Child. And we put, recruited two new members anyway, for, at least for one episode that we're super excited to talk to or to speak to rather because I, I went to college and I know things. Um, we're super excited to speak to them primarily because we're going to be talking about executive coaching, which many times that we discussed uh, professional development on the show. We focus on sponsorship. We focus on mentorship. Um, we focus on tactical ways that you might be able to find a mentor. But we never go a more, um, I think, a more impactful route. Yeah. And I almost think that this is a really good way to show how we as a podcast, as a team, as adults have evolved in our careers. Because I think it's actually something that you don't start to discuss until you get to that mm -hmm. transition point from uh, maybe junior level, mid-level, to even senior level. Yeah. Um, so this is something for those of you that are starting out in your careers that you're gonna wanna take note. This is, some, this is something for those of you that feel stifled uh, and also tired of trying to find a mentor um, that you may wanna listen to as a different option to help you advance your career. Yeah. So I want to introduce to you both Shamika Barbosa, Shamika Brown Barbosa, and Julius Dunn, welcome to the show. Do, do you Thank want you. the second? Uh, yeah, you can hit me with the second. Julius Dunn the second. <laughs> oh, I was like, what the hell are we talking about? Is I this mean, an inside joke? They, no, he's the second. I mean, some Oh, you people, are the second. I was, the like, second. I was like, you need a second for what? Like, you can have a second. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, can I get two more weeks into the year before I need to be quick? If it's on your LinkedIn, I feel like you should. Okay. You know, yeah. Me. Listen, I acknowledge family and names and ancestry. So let me know. Let me know who we need to acknowledge. But both of you, welcome, welcome. to the show. Thank and you. tell us a little bit about yourself because I don't think I can do you justice. Who are y'all? Yeah, who are you? <laughs> Why do we care? <laughs> who am I? Um, so I'm Shamika Brown Barbosa. I'm an executive coach. And I've come to this by 20 years of experience in advertising as a creative director and writer. For the record, like, Shamika looks like a solid 16 years old. <laughs> and I know that you still get pulled over by truancy officers. So, like, Bless I don't you. know what you've done in your 20 years, but if you could package that and sell it to the ratchets over here, we'd love it. It's all genetics. I take no credit whatsoever. Oh, well, no, well. <laughs> Song, you don't have that, so this is what we're left with. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Julius Dunn, uh, founder of the Adversity Group, um, which is the uh, holding company, if you will, of the only one there, which we'll be discussing today. Uh, coming by way of 10 plus years of experience in inclusion, programming, and diversity work um, in the advertising industry. Dope. Well, welcome. Welcome. I think I'm excited to have these conversations. Me too. Because I've almost been dying to have more grown-up conversations on the show. Yeah. And this is as grown-up as it gets. And, and real talk, I think for us, because over last year we started uh, for black women who, who, um, who've who considered the C-suite, which was... Ago. Well, two years You're that's welcome. What, that's <laughs> what happens when you're... decade, bro. That's what happens when you're on a sabbatical. Um, and I think, you know, just even playing that game of when we start talking about playing in the C-suite space, uh, you want to make sure that you have the same tools. And unbeknownst to many people, a lot of people who are in the C-suite have coaches, mm -hmm. um, along with your favorite celebrities, whether it's Oprah or Jay-Z, like all of these people have coaches. And so if we are talking about securing the bag at a higher level and getting seats at the table, then we should be coming to the table with the same tools. And I think this is like one of those conversations that 
people need to have, especially people of color mm -hmm. and people who are part of any marginalized or oppressed group. One of the things it says on your website um, is there is there the only one there is a neuroscience based executive coaching and leadership development company, mm -hmm. and like for those of us that have like a fourth grade reading yes. level, <laughs> you, like, layman's terms, really like lay it out like what the hell does that mean <laughs> and why is it important? Okay, so um, I come by way of the Columbia Coaching Certification Program. And the approach that we took in founding the only one there was to ground it in neuroscience because the brain is truly an amazing thing. Um, and I don't think enough people stop to really think about how the brain works, how it holds memory, um, how it holds pain and trauma and things like that. So as it relates to the group of people that we're trying to help, which is primarily those who have ever felt othered, it's truly a feeling rather than you know, a classification. So the difference here is that there are pretty much two brain states. It's either an anxious brain or a curious brain. And if you're in the anxious brain, it's a fear state, right? It's constricted, like you are always kind of on alert. But if you're in the curious brain, you're open-minded, you're free-flowing, and kind of down for whatever. So like think of work you versus vacation you. Two very different people. Okay. That's who you talk to. Okay. But yes. Okay. Well, primarily two very different people. There's also two mindsets. There's the judger self and the learner self. The judger self will enter a situation, let's say, where you were in a meeting, you said something, conversation went left. Judge yourself says, I'm so stupid. Why am I always doing this? Like, it, it's so critical, highly critical. Learner self can take the same situation and say, well, that didn't go as planned. You know, what can I take from here? Same situation, completely different takes. So as the coach in this space, I am trying to stay in curious brain and in learner self, and I'm helping my coachee stay there because that's really where the growth happens. And if you're always so on edge that you can't relax and probe and be curious, and accepting of the things that have happened in order to make way for something better in the future, then you're never going to grow. So that's kind of the, the basis and the outline for the approach. It's very listening based. It's um, taking what's happened in the past and building on it for the future. So you, you, you mentioned um, <laughs> that you're, you're for everybody, but you're primarily, primarily focused on people who are othered. Mm -hmm. Um, just from this is our season five that we're starting off today. Whoop whoop. Um, yeah, that's what's happening. <laughs> um, and a lot of the people that we've engaged with over the last four seasons, um, especially when we have events, tend to ask questions from the anxious state. Mm -hmm. um, but then the second part that you just mentioned about being in the meeting and it going left mm -hmm. and you having to judge yourself, um, can that just for my own personal um you better record. go ahead and get free um, coaching yes. <laughs> <laughs> does that judge yourself also judge other people because like <laughs> i rarely ever go oh i'm stupid <laughs> it's usually are you stupid um so that's, that's funny because i definitely do that i'm so stupid <laughs> that's funny well it's true you yeah. know it goes it can definitely go both ways and mm -hmm. so as the coach i have to make sure 
that I'm in learner mode, that I'm curious, that I'm probing, that I'm not judging either what I'm doing or what was just said, but staying open to wherever the conversation can go. Right. So bet- between the two of you, that's like 30 years of um, experience in the advertising industry, mm-hmm. creative director, um, working diversity and inclusion. Why go this route and not starting another ERG or a public resource group or something of that of that level where because that's usually what people do right mm-hmm. so and we can name a bunch of groups that have started over the last couple of years why the executive coaching route and not like just you know let's get all of the people who are an app. yeah an, an app, app right like website. why this route so I've mentored um, the majority of my career and it's always been very localized you know, it's people who were in my building, in my department, people I've known already. And what I really wanted to do was have a greater impact, um, give people tools that they could really use to move forward and take control of their own destiny in a way. I wanted to have um, a legacy actually that spoke to my true passion which was putting people in a better place and position to succeed. So rather than, you know, keep doing what I was doing or start um, an ERG or a specific group, this felt like uh, the best way to do it because we're giving people everything they need to get what they need. Um, And so many talented people, as we know, have left our industry and industries you know, in general, because everybody's walking around in that anxious brain, judge yourself. And it's like, well, what else can I do? What else can we do? So we started with executive coaching and Julius pushed me, pushed me, pushed me to look beyond that because it is, it should be leadership development. There, there is a systemic problem. Um, And so the only one there is just one of a suite of companies that we're developing that will begin to address this much larger issue. Just to kind of piggyback off of that. um, So as somebody who's worked in the business for the last 10 years and pretty much touched every major nonprofit, for-profit that you can possibly think of, created programs, led initiatives, uh, built academic institutions um, after seeing you know the goalposts move every time we create a new program uh, I wanted to take a step back and try and understand the system of the discrimination that we were going against as opposed to trying to address a problem that's complex with just one singular uh, program or solution so in that um, one of the quotes that I I remember reading one time um, said that equality is the illusion of uh, equality is the illusion of fairness masked by the luxury of privilege because it only works, equality only works if everybody starts from the same place. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at all the different constructs and all the different areas of business and just life overall, especially those who have been discriminated against in multiple different facets of life, um, all of these things, all of these initiatives need to work in concert. And so after seeing all the different disparities Um, with executive coaching and leadership development being one, um, Shamika and I and a host of others as the collective just felt we should build this in for all of these things to kind of work in concert so that we can move the needle forward truly um, and hold each other accountable and the partners and organizations and companies that we work with 
um, in that regard. So, so what does what does leadership development actually look like for you guys? Because I think it's really interesting that both of you are coming from uh, from different ends mm -hmm. of the same industry. So obviously, there's new insight that you guys can develop here, right? But one of the things that we recognize, especially me still being <laughs> on the corporate side of the business. Um, shout out to all the entrepreneurs, Simeon. Um, <laughs> one of the I'm things corporate. that one of the things that we you notice is that it we keep adding more programs mm -hmm. and we keep adding more initiatives to the mix, right? Of of uh, expanding equity and and uh, job accessibility, but the leadership side mm -hmm. still looks good. So I, I think we've talked about this before, but even in starting the podcast, true story, I didn't want to have shit to do with nobody because I said specifically, I'm not fixing myself no more. I don't want another resume, writing, mm -hmm. course. I don't want another- How to network. Yeah, I don't want to know how to network. I'm not, don't tell me how to dress. I already got that under control. I want to know how to win. And it felt like at the time, this is three, four years into my career, it felt like at the time, those weren't the ways to do it. So how do you approach leadership development that is different, and I know it is different, than other organizations and initiatives that are out there that focus on the individual and how they get there? Mm -hmm. um, that's a good question, by the way. No, take your time. That's um, a great way to pause. So. <laughs> I will say that I will say this. Um, there was an article that that Janice Gassim just wrote for Forbes, that essentially said um, she was making note of the fact that unconscious bias awareness training has been a hot topic and a hot word and a buzzword across a variety of different industries. And essentially, what she was illuminating was to make people aware of their bias or their discriminatory practices is not enough. Mm -hmm. It's a systemic problem, and so essentially, she was leading to there needs to be a systemic solution, right? So. To your point, there's a lot of programs, but they're not actually working in concert. Mm -hmm. So you'll have a company or an organization or even individuals that will seek to try and win, to your point. Mm -hmm. But because they're all not working with an understanding of equity or the disparity of the individuals of mm -hmm. which they're trying to affect change, they can never move the needle forward. And so in building out this, this company, Adversity Group, essentially it's a collection of programs and partnerships, even sole proprietors, that all believe in the same mission where we make inclusion our focus as opposed to diversity because diversity is the byproduct of that. Um, and so with that said, we address uh, four different constructs of discrimination with the interpersonal, or actually the internalized piece, which the internalized bias, which we can get into in a little bit, a little bit later, is the part that the only one there kind of focuses on. So Got it. that makes sense. So for people that are not familiar with executive coaching, they don't know the difference between mentorship, sponsorship, life coaching. Like how do you how do you explain like why this is their best route to go, executive coaching? For us, it's really about increasing self-awareness. I think um, that is an undermined and underdeveloped tool that is transferable regardless of whatever industry you're in whether it's your work life or your personal life. Um, understanding who you are, what your triggers are, how your past has influenced who you are today is something that everybody can honestly take with them. In terms of the difference between mentoring and coaching and why coaching is that mentors are great, 
Um, but you're given advice from the mentor's perspective mm. and from the mentor's experience. Whereas coaching creates space for you to assess your own experience. Mm. And that ends up being a very different vantage point. And so a coaching relationship, and it really should be a two-way mm -hmm. relationship, is really about you giving space to be heard and seen, um, which for many of us, that doesn't happen. Um, it makes us very uneasy <laughs> to mm -hmm. like suddenly be vulnerable and bare. Um, but through that can come discomfort and also breakthroughs. Uh, so that would be the difference me between between those and I think mentoring is an easier concept to wrap our heads around um, and coaching has been fairly given to you know c-suite mm -hmm. super super senior leadership it's often a triage move mm -hmm. so there's some type of crisis happening an issue has been identified is this a cultural fit is it a leadership style can they secede into the presidency role where are they going within this organization or should we just dead the relationship mm. it is rarely used proactively which is what we're trying to do bring it into the mid-level bring it into the senior level allow people to understand who they are so that they can grow within your organization fairly but again it needs to be part of a system you know this can be one thing that you're doing to help stem attrition improve retention but what else you got you know, it's like one way to invest in your talent and show that you care, you want them to develop, you want them to stay, but it needs to happen in concert with some other things as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think for a lot of people, you know, we, we poll to people on, on our um, socials and we, I think about 63% uh, said they've considered executive coaching. Um, I think sometimes it's hard because there is a price tag attached mm -hmm. to executive coaching um, for people to understand what are they getting out of it. Um, how can you frame that up in a way that seems tangible? Because a lot of it is intangible, right? You're yeah. talking about internal work. Um, and like I just paid for an executive coach last year. Mm -hmm. And when she uh, sent over that price tag, um, my had a moment <laughs> right <laughs> because it was like who are you what and like and again like my thing was to her well what am I getting out of it because mm -hmm. all of the conversations that I've had up until that point uh, about my career have been about mentorship and mm -hmm. sponsorship and here was this and I can't remember what the trigger was that made me go oh I need an, an actual coach mm -hmm. but I basically said to her like, "What what am I getting out of it?" And so I knew what she she gave me. So I'm I guess I want to put that out to you is, what do you think are some tangibles or some expectations that someone who is thinking about executive coaching should um, approach the table with? Mm -hmm. So as someone who is a non-majority in their space and we do work with entrepreneurs i too. like that non-majority yeah hmm. yeah hmm, i don't like new. the other word that's, right. a, that's a refrain glasses <laughs> <laughs> um, half full hmm. yes i like you that you know all perspective yeah 
Um, so one of the things that you should really look for and know that you can get out of this is strategies because there's usually some type of trigger moment. So like, let's say that executive that's in trouble or something happened that you really need um, some way to work through. It's strategies, it's goal setting, it's coming out of that reactive emotional mm -hmm. state and beginning to look objectively as to why you feel this way. Has this happened before? Mm. What happened the last time? How did you resolve it? If you didn't resolve it the way you wanted to, what would you have done differently? And getting you out of that anxiety space mm. to begin to think and dream a bit more, to be a bit clearer in terms of where you wanna go and think about how to get there. And in our conversations, I'm not giving you the advice. You are the expert in your life. You have lived your life. I'm visiting. What I am doing is playing back to you what I'm seeing. Mm. So as you relay the story, it's like, hmm, I saw your shoulders, you know, you got a little tense there. You know, when you think about that, what, what comes up? Why are, you, why are you responding in that way? And then dive into that. Because there's always a presenting problem and then there's the underlying real problem. So the goal is strategies, mm -hmm. setting up goals to get there and ways to, to do so it. So when you so just said that, I thought about therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and everybody's been talking therapy, 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 especially amongst people of color for the last couple of years. Um, where, where does the line draw between therapy, which is covered by insurance, right. and executive Depends coaching? Depends on who you ask. <laughs> I know I, I know I can't find a good therapist in network, so whatever. I mean, I found one. <laughs> um, I mean, but like, yeah, wh yeah, where's where's the line? Because somebody can go, well, oh, I can get that from my therapist. Like, mm -hmm. what is the? And the reason why I'm, why I'm harping on this is because I really think that as people who are non-majority, yeah. um, as we start talking about these seats at the table and getting the bag and making money move or, and making money move, we need the right tools. Mm -hmm. Like, and if we're talking coaching for me, the way that I'm looking at it is from the perspective of an athlete, right? So even LeBron still has a coach, right? Mm -hmm. You're at the top of your game and you're always going to have somebody mm -hmm. who's helping you perfect it and, and keep evolving. So where's the line between that so that people can start to really frame their, their minds around this concept of executive coaching? Mm -hmm. I just have to say something real quick. Um, you made a, a reference to LeBron and, and professional sports uh, players having coaches, right? Yeah. Those coaches don't play on the court with them. They don't play on the field with them. Um, and I think oftentimes, sometimes you'll find a coach in that regard will still be on the field and still be absorbing some of the things that are maybe even topics of trauma mm -hmm. for the individuals that they say that they're coaching. Um, I think the approach that we're taking is, um, one, kind of removing the more identifiable markers of similarity away from the conversation as the marker of like, oh, you are valid enough or justified enough to, to guide me. Um, so with it being rooted in neuroscience, everyone has a brain in that regard. And so the similarities end up being kind of a cherry on top as opposed to the main dish, right? The other thing I wanted to say too is, you talked about kind of like um, mental health or um, uh, therapy, therapy, right? So th the weird thing about that is um, there is a correlation between people who have internalized bias on an ongoing basis 
and those who don't. So just looking at America, right? Over 50% of people in America, of all ethnic groups, all sexual identity, feel discriminated against um, with some feeling it more so than others. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the the public health uh, disparity chart, um, those of African descent are dying at three to five times or two to three times faster than their racial counterpart. And that's largely due to some of the physiological things that happen when you internalize bias, right? And so one of the things that we try and address is, to Shamika's point, kind of giving that person who experiences it on so many levels, outside and inside the workplace, an opportunity to hear themselves speak by way of the person who's helping them find their voice, which oftentimes they don't get a chance to do. Um, so yeah, I do think that there is some level of, of therapy that's there. Um, I do think that working uh, to, to move past some of the things that you've internalized by way of the society of which you live or the environments of which you've worked is a bit of like uh, therapy, mm -hmm. but to have someone in the capacity of executive coach where they're using instruments that are uh, neuroscience based to help give you not only space, but an opportunity to think past some of the things that you've internalized, I think it's it's an amazing opportunity. And to your point, giving that person the tools to succeed, or to your point, to win. It almost sounds like it's more future focused, feel like future focused for career. So mm -hmm. even like, if I engage a mentor, one of my mentors, or somebody that I acknowledge has sponsored me in rooms that I do not have access to, it's usually about things that are going on right now. It's usually about, you know, how can I have whatever moment I need to have in this moment work out better for me? I have a meeting tomorrow. What are the things that I need to say tomorrow to make sure that the most positive outcome uh, exists, mm -hmm. right? And what I'm hearing is more so executive coaching is, listen, shit has already happened. Mm -hmm. Some good stuff and some not good stuff. Let's look at that and plot out how to make either better use of those experiences or to enhance whatever good experiences mm -hmm. that you've had. Is that accurate? Is that an accurate summation? That is accurate. Um, a coach will have access to other tools. So one of the um, assessments that I'm certified in is the needling brain instrument, and it's a thinking preference that shows I'm sorry, you. Did you say needle and brain? Needling brain. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I watch a lot of TV. It's fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> like so you come with his hands open. Oh, okay, cool. That's that what is um, it's a thinking preference assessment, mm -hmm. and how you use this one, it shows your default place where you begin any problem solving, any type of communication mm -hmm. um, issue. And so it breaks it down into four quadrants, loosely aligned with um, the way the brain works. And the way that you use this is people usually have two areas, two quadrants that are uh, higher values than the other two. A true leader is balanced though. And so you can look at your profile and see where you have opportunity to grow in the other. So if you wanted to become a more well-rounded leader, a person who could begin to answer questions, concerns, queries from all you know, people in all industries and all you know, throughout your company globally, you would need to work on your whole brain development. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to use that. There's also the Hogan assessment that is used by a lot of corporations to determine leadership 
um, development and capability. So it identifies blind spots. You know, it has it incorporates 360 reviews. Mm -hmm. You know, where you can look and listen to your coworkers and see how you are viewed every day. Who are you really showing up to um, work at? You know, so there are different things that you can use. Also, other tools like life mapping. Um, the wheel of life and then what I do is a level three listening um, where I'm really cued in to not only what you're saying but what you're not saying mm. so it's like that inaction interaction between us um, that also yes yes or the opposite your eyes lightening up when you say mm. something that is truly meaningful that you might just be you know riffing and not thinking about it but your whole demeanor changes when you think of XYZ. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, let's let's look at that. I'm not going to lie. All of this is very scary because, like, you talking about judging. you looking at my whole body and, and, my, and my head and what's, what I'm saying and how I'm saying mm -hmm. it. That can be intimidating. How, yeah. how can you – how do you put people at ease knowing that you're taking all of that into mm -hmm. account? Well, it's truly a relationship. You know, so again, I'm, how do you put people mm -hmm. at like, I'm just kidding. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's really entering it from a place of curiosity. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to learn more. I want you to learn more. And I'm playing back the things that you're saying to me. So, so nothing should be a surprise. Yeah. And, you mm. know, sometimes people don't realize <laughs> what Why they're saying. Laughing? <laughs> well, I, I'm laughing because when you said that, I just thought back to these moments during executive coaching where I was like, she's telling me I ain't shit. And I must have just said that I think I ain't shit. Oh, let me. These are things okay. that I think part of it, too. And sorry to cut you off, mm -hmm. but it's the goal setting, right? Yeah. Setting the goal to get out of the mindset of the internal judgment because when I think back to when I started the executive coaching and I just did a session and when it ended um, the clarity in my goal setting the clarity in the way that I talk about the things that I'm going to do um, I rarely say try at this point mm -hmm. it's more like this shit is getting done on this day by any means necessary mm -hmm. and project management you're welcome <laughs> I wouldn't even go that far but yes okay. you know I and I, I think there's I really want this to like drill drill home for a lot of people because I think this is one of the missing keys from from what we've what we're missing mm -hmm. to get to the next level um and I forgot your question and so you are listening No, Julie's about to say something. I was going to say kind of your point um how how does she kind of cultivate these types of relationships yes. of yeah. trust and comfort? What do you mean? Yes, you weren't listening. <laughs> no, because I I went off, because you reminded me of, of this moment of. Did you just use my platform oh, to go yes. on your own tangent? Yes, I did go on the tangent. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I think I think as I was saying before, like you know, because we're approaching it from a neuroscience place. Um, she obviously, and by she, I mean Shamika, who's certified and trained um, by way of the program that she's going through at Columbia, they teach her strategies how mm -hmm. to pull information from people that doesn't mm -hmm. feel intrusive um, to where they volunteer the information. One, two, when we talk about equity. Very scary. <laughs> no, I, I mean, but, but, but see, when we talk about the differences between a mentor, a sponsor, and an executive mm -hmm. coach, and then when we look at the levels of executive coach, because right. there's levels to this shit, right? So like her being certified and trained in strategies to be able to build relationships that are not industry dependent, not 
gender de- specific, mm-hmm. not racial or ethnical. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's that to me is somebody who is not only defined and valid mm-hmm. and you know kind of justified and being able to do exactly what you're saying, but they have the strategies to help you get past your own obstacles. Most of which are a result of the toxic environments. Again, going back to what I was saying before. So when we talk about equity, mm-hmm. starting from a place that's surface where you, you're a black woman, you work in advertising, boom. That's what I know about you from a surface place. Mm-hmm. Shamika and this whole practice is going deeper, right? Because it's about the traumas of what you've experienced. It's about the things from your personal life. It's yeah. about the family structure of which you live. It's about all of these affinity groups of which you subscribe to that oftentimes even produce these toxic kind of situations mm-hmm. that you internalize. And so by way of letting it be psychologically based mm-hmm. and neuroscience based, we really get a deeper understanding of how to help you get past the pieces that you oftentimes don't even see or disparities. Mm-hmm. During my um, training, something very interesting happened. You know, I'm a unicorn in advertising. I'm a unicorn over here. Um, I'm and just so great, like overall. Like <laughs> I am the embodiment of greatness. Yes, well, I get that's it. Right. Um, we, you know, practiced on each other. And so mm. there were two other people of color out of maybe 30-something people and you know I'm having conversations we're practicing our coaching thing and when I sat down with one of those two it was like okay I got a real one for you mm-hmm. because we could begin the conversation in a very different place mm-hmm. than I could with someone that I didn't identify with and I mean I just met them mm-hmm. but she's a black woman he's a black man odds are things that are really bothering me have probably bothered them too mm-hmm. and so you can cut through the pleasantries you can cut through the niceties of course you know we're gonna do that our our first session is usually the MBI profile helping you realize how you think Mm -hmm. where you start and then where you can go from there in terms of opportunity but then we can get real you know and then we can have those conversations to say okay yeah yeah okay yes that was a very rude thing that was said that was a very unfair thing that happened let's break it down you know, and you don't have to explain it to me because I get it. You know, I've been there. So for me, that's a bit of a point of difference. Mm. And we just don't have enough people of color Capturing doing this nuance. work. I wanted to say, too, real quick, the flip of this also is that we provide this level of coaching for people who are of the minority. I mean, are of the majority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not just for those who are non-majority. Is that the term of which mm-hmm. we're using? Um, <clears throat> so, you know, when you look at an industry that's dominated by those who you can say white people on yeah, this okay. show. Okay. Um, white men. We, uh, we, <laughs> we have designed learning outcomes and the practice, again, to be neuroscience-based so that Shamika can have conversations with people who don't reflect mm-hmm. how she looks mm-hmm. or who she is or what her background is. Um, and so because we all are humans, it gives her an entry point to that minimizes the barrier of entry to have a conversation about growth mm-hmm. um, that kind of disarms the person from wanting to be defensive Got where it. they're listening to understand as opposed to listening to respond mm-hmm. can I, I'm, I'm yeah. gonna ask I'm uh-huh. gonna cut you off oh, yeah. my turn do you find a different like have you experienced a difference in executive coaching or working through coaching with um, between white people and black people or people that have different uh, cultural experiences Honestly, I think we carry more with us. And so we've done a very good job of coping. 
done a very good job of looking like we got it all together because that's how we're supposed to look. I mean, that's black. That's black people one on one. You know, what I'm you saying? know, you so learn that before you go to preschool. Like, it's it's a we don't talk about family business and nope. we don't cry in public. Nope. And you damn sure don't tell nobody your business. Act right. But that's all that stuff that's, that's buried yeah. deep, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And you, you know, I will start to cry on this show right now. Yeah. <laughs> don't so get me started. One thing that came up when we did the poll was uh, somebody mentioned that, and you. Trauma has been brought up a few mm-hmm. times already in this conversation. Someone mentioned how unfair it is to unload that mm-hmm. trauma on a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, we often tend to um, uh, be drawn to mentors who are like us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're talking about people of color, then you know, hypothetically, if Kai's my mentor, I'm going to her, and she has her trauma, and I'm bringing her my own trauma. And the comment was made that it's really unfair to do that to a mentor for free. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there is a cost that's attached Mm -hmm. to executive coaching. Um, The and I think it's it's good to note that a lot of people who are at companies, their companies are paying. And you Mm -hmm. mentioned it before with a crisis, the companies are paying for this executive coaching. How should someone who is thinking about executive coaching approach their manager, approach HR, um, and say this is something that I want to do, um, and get them to pay for it? Mm-hmm. You want me to? Mr. Um, so I think first off, the there should be a learning and development plan for anybody working in any corporate space. Um, if you don't, you should surely have a conversation with your manager, department lead, or and or HR. Mm-hmm. Um, within your development plan, there should be something there, I think, for executive coaching or some type of development, um, especially if they've identified you as top talent yeah. and or talent that they need in order to meet uh, certain criteria necessary to move the company forward. We, I, no, 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 no. Say how you uh, want to okay. say it. So I mean, I think, I think it, for, it, be as raw as possible because I think that's okay. what's going let, let to Okay, let me be raw. So yeah. if, if you are a high potential talent that is, a, that is a non-majority in that organization, they need to out the gate give you a development plan because chances are you're going to get tired, you're mm-hmm. going to leave, mm-hmm. and so off the rip, they should be giving you a development plan, and if they are not, then you need to make it a point to advocate for yourself, right. to say, hey, this is what I need, this is what I want, do you want me or not, this is how much it's going to cost. And so a lot of the conversations that now we're starting to think through is how do we build a kit to be able to teach that person to have courageous conversations for themselves, right? Which is often sometimes a cultural thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, not to stand up for yourself. Yeah. Kind of minimize yourself. Don't don't draw too much attention. That's being black uh, uh, 2.0. Honestly, that's 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 that's, that's, that's yeah. being that's not exactly. only being black, but that's also being a variety of other isms that are compounded that have taught you how to survive and minimize and make yourself smaller. And so what we want to try and do is enable and, and and encourage people to walk into these doors with a business card of the executive coach mm-hmm. that they want as opposed to waiting for them for this triage moment of, oh, we got to get them up out of here. You know, no, no, no. You come into the door with that. And Mm so I think that's one of the things that that could really be a game changer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the kind of community that we're trying to build. Mm -hmm. 
and encourage people to 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 advocate for themselves. I think also like like if I'm honest about my experience and and I definitely bring a lot of that into my role. The reality is most of the time if you even if you are seen as a high uh, a, a high performing or a rising star, executive coaching is is not a part of your plan. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have plans. Like mm-hmm. even if they do think you're special. Mm-hmm. And I think from my experience like a lot of what we have to do is self-advocate but i would say to even answer your question sim if you are working within an agency that actually has a holding company which is something i've recently learned that there that there are executive coaching opportunities available for you if not um if not as a not complimentary because it's not a hotel but like included in a part of your benefits package it's definitely discounted within your benefits package and one of the things that i think is going to be important for 20 for this year for everybody is to take a deeper look into what's available to you mm-hmm. whether it is um money that they that is offered to you if you know about it because that's how you save budget right you don't tell everybody about what's available to them but if there's money available you can use it to choose who you want your executive coach to be, or dig a little deeper into your benefits package to see what's offered. Um, but you you may have to ask for it. You mm-hmm. may have to be the one to just throw it out there and see what you pull back. Because um, no one ever offered me uh, a, de- a professional development plan, uh, even when I was asking for it. Because mm-hmm. if you can think about it, a lot of our managers in the mid-level have only recently got mm-hmm. there, what, six months before I got there. <laughs> so we learning this together, bruh. Mm-hmm. Help me help you. Um, and so there's a, there, there is this, like we're doing this show so you can be proactive. Yeah, so right. you do know mm-hmm. what questions to ask because you may not have the luxury of having an experienced manager uh, or managing team in your presence, but you may have to kind of, lead the blind uh, to your own success. And, and also, um, it's the beginning of the year. Um, a bunch of people got laid off at the end of the year, and so people are interviewing. Mm-hmm. I, that's the reality. That's yeah, why I was in advertising, right? So people are interviewing, and so I think this also needs to be one of the questions that people bring to the table when they're in this interview process um, about asking about coaching and professional development and these plans that you met, you know, your growth plans when you're actually starting at these companies, because I think that will also help people start to vet who they want to work for. Because if your values aren't aligned and professional development and growth is one of your values because you want to get somewhere, whether it's to the C-suite or to be a manager or to be a leader, um, asking about this early on so that when you are when it's ready when you when it's time to pull the trigger, you're not starting from scratch, right? You already know exactly how you should approach the conversation. Yeah. I think one of our goals is definitely to create a scorecard yeah. of sorts so that you know the situation that you're actually walking into so there are fewer surprises once you get there but this is definitely something to consider asking about um you know if the money comes in a little lower than you want ask for this you know like Mm -hmm. you can you can negotiate um and it's important that they know that you're thinking and that you're future focused because they want you to stay too you know Mm -hmm. so um, my advice would begin to have those conversations in the interview process. You know, make it a part of you interviewing the company that you're working with. And if they do have executive coaching, are there any 
um, markers, time markers, or levels that you need to reach before you can qualify for it? Or is that something that's open to everyone within your organization? Because to your point, your manager may not be aware of it either. So Usually that was always my experience. Like, <laughs> you know? We just out here together. You fake leading me. I'm real leading you. Like, we just here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things have changed in the last year, but it is rough. It is. It is. And, um, you know, the help and guidance is afforded still Mm -hmm. to a set number and level of person. And it needs to be an equity play. It needs to be made accessible to more people. So um, as we wind down, um, you know, we're talking about things from the full-time employee's perspective. Um, What do you say to the people who are freelancers, Mm -hmm. who are entrepreneurs um, that are listening um, how should they be thinking about this investment mm-hmm. in their own personal growth and their uh, professional growth? How, what's, what's the, the sell for them? So I've been an entrepreneur for the last 12 years. Um, so with a full-time job and businesses on the side, full-time freelance for the last five. And I will definitely say, and I had a coach at one point too, but she it was not a great experience in that she wasn't trained so i was in a very tough place in terms of my businesses cash flow personal life it was like a game of jenga and she was telling me to move that bottom middle piece and i was like no she ain't ever played jenga before (laughs) i'm not doing that you know like and so she couldn't get me past to make that move she was just telling me what to do Mm. and she wasn't looking at why i wasn't moving that's a lot that to me is a reflection of a lack of empathy and a lack of equity. Mm. She's like, not in your place, and she also doesn't understand what it's like to be you in your place. Right. Okay. So as a, a freelancer, I found it was helpful to have her as an accountability partner mm. because I'm out here by myself. I'm the boss. Who checking me? Nobody. Is that a problem? Yeah. So in order for me to advance and build my business, I need someone that's going to hold my feet to the fire. And so that's where a coach can really come in and be very direct with you to say, okay, you said this, these are your goals. They said this is how you're going to get there. But we're not making any progress. Why is that? You know, and kind of put the you know, onus back on you in a space where there's nobody doing that for you. So I would definitely say it's an investment um, to make but it's one that could end up helping you in life and in business later. So it's definitely worth it. Um, It's important to find the right person for you. Um, To really quickly go back to the therapy thing, there is a difference. Um, I think coaching can sometimes go right up to that line, but I am not a psychologist. I'm not a social worker. If I see any red flags, I am trained to divert you over here. <laughs> Please move left, you know, so that you can get to the right resources mm-hmm. that you need because there are very deep issues ingrained in our community. And this does begin to uncover it. And sometimes you do need that squad of people that are going to help you fully get to where you need to be. Um, So in terms of finding an executive coach, I would say certification matters. Make sure that they are versed in the strategies that can help you move through some of these very deep places to get to a space where you can truly grow. Um, I would also say that 
being a subject matter expert mm-hmm. works for mentoring, but a good coach can coach anybody mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's some fundamental things that just need to happen. So my experience in advertising is a bonus if I'm working with somebody in advertising. I can then, you know, relay that to moving up from, you know, junior to senior rank. Like, you know, I can spread and cut that anyway, but I should be able to work with anybody. And my background is just the cherry on top. That's actually really good to know. I think one thing, so we we spent a lot of time talking about, like, how to get into coaching. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure there are quite a few people that listen that are already – uh, they already have an executive coach. They're working with this person. They are excited to make moves. What would you say are some key things to keep in mind if you currently have an executive coach to ensure that you are making the most of this experience and using and getting your money's worth, mm-hmm. qu- quite frankly, but also using it to ensure that you do succeed, whatever that, however that's defined? One thing I would say to ask yourself is who's doing most of the talking? Because it should be the coachee that's doing the self-discovery and leading the conversation. Um, If it's the coach that's doing most of the talking, you need to be aware because that might be mentoring in disguise of coaching. Um, Because it should not be about the coach. It should be about the mentee. Um, I would also have you consider, you know, whose goals are these Mm -hmm. that you're setting? Because are they yours? Are they the coach's goals? Are they your organization's Mm -hmm. goals? Sometimes if the organization is paying for the coaching, they have their own things that they're trying to get out of it, Mm -hmm. you know, for you. So really step back um, and make sure that you are leading the conversation truly so that you can ensure that you're going to get out of it what you need. All right. So I think yeah. even more importantly than us finding out is people knowing how do they contact you guys. So how do they get, if they listen to this and they're like, yo, I need this in my life. You do. How are we, tell- <laughs> where, where are we telling people to go? How do they get in contact with you? What's the URL? Tell us all the things. All right. The URL is the only one there.com. Um, you can email email me, Shamika, S-H-A-M-E-K-A, at theonlyonethere.com, or info at theonlyonethere.com. We have um, a sign-up on our website for our members um, who are looking to join our community, and then we also have space for partners. So as we mentioned before, working with organizations who are trying to attract and keep diverse talent but whose leadership does not reflect that so we work with them as well Mm -hmm. to make sure that the culture shifts that need to be happening in order to make these spaces more inclusive are there as well um, just one final follow final question Uh, would you suggest people bringing you guys to their ERG or directly to the HR like what do you think is the best approach for people to Get connect this, with you. Connect with you. Or any, hire you guys. You know, we're open to it all. We have um, three offerings currently. One being the classic model of one-on-one coaching, which can happen at someone just bringing us in and hiring uh, me themselves or working through the organization. There's also team coaching, which can happen at that ERG level, which can be really interesting because even in spaces where it's like the black women, you know, affinity group. Is there space for queer 
is there space for trans? You know, mm-hmm. there's this homogeneity that exists, thinking and assuming that everyone is the same, but even in those spaces, we can miss intersectionality. Mm-hmm. So again, getting people to stop, pull back, think, look objectively at what they're doing. Um, and then the last uh, way is by retainer. So can be on site, you know, Tuesdays at WPP, you know, and it's a sign-up sheet. Um, that's probably the best way for an organization to kind of introduce the notion um, to the people who are there to see if anybody would be interested in taking and making a deeper relationship. That's dope. That's like uh, Wendy Rhodes on Billions. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Well, with that being said, we've concluded our first episode of the new decade. Word. Shout out to 2020. Thank- shout out to Shamika and Julius for joining yes. us and Thank bestowing you. upon us all of this important information. Thank you for having us. Um, you guys are leading the charge for getting more of us into, it, not more of us, any of us, quite frankly, into leadership, <laughs> if we're honest. Um, and that is a big job, and the approach sounds different. I think yeah. one of the bit- biggest critiques that we've always had about the industry and about, as Shantae Bacon has said in the mm-hmm. past, the industry within the industry, is that we do a lot of the same things and expect different results which makes sense because most people are batshit crazy in this business um but it's nice to meet with new uh not new more sane people that actually have a different approach to get different results um so thank you guys for joining us and for entertaining our humor um and if you guys want to be in touch with anybody on the show including us you know how to reach us we are uh, Ask Mixed Company on all the social media channels and mixedcompanypodcast.com um, as well as askmixedcompany at gmail.com. Peace. Peace out, guys. Later.